Normally I would stand up there because the lights, you would be there and you would be able to see me a little better and it would just be comfortable for everyone. But because there's no lights and this stage is kind of crowded, thank you, by the way, the orchestra and the choir and just... This was a nice morning. I was telling uh, Sean earlier, I said, um, you know, Sean asked me to preach about three or four weeks ago, so I've had plenty of time. That is not the excuse. But I said, I've really had about 45 minutes to really just review and kind of finesse this thing. And Sean had this look of panic like, oh, why did I let you do this? <laughs> but then he came up and said, you know what? Just be you. Don't try to be anyone else. So that's what I'm going to do. Connie Clifton prayed for me out there, which was I appreciated. So uh, I, think, I think we're good to go. The lights are dim. Um, if you ever wanted to identify with the persecuted church around the world, this is just maybe a little bit of what it feels like when they gather to worship and you can't have a big to-do. It's You have to kind of keep things on the down low. And so this morning, it's quasi-down low this morning. So uh, uh, anyway, I am glad to be here. I'm glad you all are here. We're in the middle of a series called uh, Walking Like Jesus Walked or Walking with Jesus. And during the course of this series, we've looked at a couple of different things. Uh, Jesus' approach to obedience to the scripture. Jesus' approach to obedience to his father. Um, the way he inter the way he and uh, he referenced and um, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so today we're looking at how Jesus worshipped. Does anyone does anyone know of any scriptures that reference how Jesus worshipped? I think John chapter fifteen. <coughs> What's that? John chapter fifteen. Expound a little bit. This is not your sermon, by the way, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the one that you may be referencing is the one that I'm thinking of. So after the disciples were gathered in the upper room and they had uh, the time together there, and, and afterwards they sang, the scriptures say they sang a hymn. And that is the only reference I have of Jesus actually singing. So, so the title this morning is um, uh, Exalting the Father. So I'm going to have you do something. I told you this was going to be an awkward service. It's going to be fine, but what I want you to do is take about 10 seconds, and with the person next to you, I want you to define what you think the word exalt means, okay? I'm going to start. I'm going to count to 10. When I'm done with counting to 10, you guys turn your attention back up here. You know what you're doing? What are you going to do? You're going to define the word exalt. Okay, start. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Exalt is not a word that we use often in normal conversation. We don't say, hey, that was a great game yesterday. Let us exalt our team together. We don't use that term, do we? We we are, we are familiar with that term basically from, from verses like this, Psalm 34, 1 through 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. By the way, you must have given enough in offering because our projector came back on. <laughs> my soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. And let's say this together. Let us exalt his name together. Most, uh, well, let's see. 
Did anyone trans? Give me a couple of couple of ideas. What does exalt mean? What did we decide it meant? Praise. 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 Lift up. Glory. Reverence, most high. Esteem. Adoration. Speak out about. Anyone else? I, this is, by the way, give yourselves a big high five because those are all excellent, excellent definitions of the word exalt. Normally, go ahead. When I say something, just do it. Just do it. Give yourself a high five or someone next to you a high five. Yeah, just rules. When I preach, I love interaction. So feel free to jump in and say something. Unless, unless you disagree with me, then keep it to yourself till afterwards. So when we think about Jesus exalting and we have a sermon based on exaltation, we tend to think of worship. But the word worship sometimes gets just mixed up with what we normally do on a Sunday morning. And when we look at scriptures, we have a hard time finding that Jesus did anything that looks much like what we do on Sunday morning. That's not to discount what we do on Sunday morning. That's just to say that our definition of worship is sometimes not exactly what the scriptural term is. Our idea of exalt is not always the idea that scripture presents. Scripture um, presents the word exalt as to lift up higher. Who said that? Lift up higher or raise up. Good job. Um, and you say lift up higher than what? Well, higher at least than the exalter, than you or I. So lift, lift God up higher than us. It's to, it's to expand his fame or his, his, uh, his realm or his kingdom. So to exalt him is to expand his fame. Exalt means to raise up to another level. So an exalted personage like the queen or the pope or the president, this is someone who's a little higher on the food chain than most of us are. They are an exalted person. So this, this microphone will give me troubles all the time. So how did Jesus exalt? Well, he did it this way. He deflected praise back to God. So imagine me, I just got back from Israel, imagine me in a turban and one of those uh, robes and I'm sitting on the hillside and Jesus is preaching and he has preached this amazing message on the kingdom of heaven. And I go up to him and I say, Jesus, that was some amazing teaching you did this morning. And Jesus responds this way, thank you Tim, but I only speak what God has told me to speak. In John 12, 49 through 50, this is exactly how he says it. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say everything that I have spoken. I know that his commands, his words, lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Is it up there? Look at that. Look at that. It's just modern miracles. <laughs> Speaking of miracles, we're sitting, I'm, I'm there still on the hillside. This time I've changed out. I've got a turban on instead of the, the towel. Um, and uh, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. We're picking up how many loaves of fish and bread? 12. 12? Are we sure? Let's say that with more confidence. How many fish and loaves, baskets of fish and loaves? 12. 12. And uh, we're like, oh my word, he started with... 
And look what he's got now. Jesus, what an amazing miracle. Jesus says, well, thank you, Tim. But John 5, 19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means for us that our lives are to be lived in such a way that no one is ever under the mistaken impression that we are better than we really are. We are to live lives fairly transparent. Instead, all of our goodness and our good works should point back to God working through us, in us, and very oftentimes, despite us. In fact, John 3.21 says this, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been through God. Isaiah said it this way, Lord, you have established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Now, have you guys ever been in this situation where you go up to someone after, by the way, Bunny, phenomenal, phenomenal. So you go up to Bunny and you say, Bunny, that was amazing. And she goes, oh, oh, all glory to Jesus, all glory to Jesus. And I want to say, well, yes, but Bunny, you're the one that learned the music. You're the one that, that memorized the songs. You're the one that trained your voice to be able to do that. So a little glory <laughs> goes to Bunny, right? In fact, I want to tell those people, come on, get off of it. Just say thank you. But, but, but then, but this, have you, are you, is anyone tracking with me on this? Do you ever think, oh, smarmy people, just, <laughs> just accept the praise. But now I'm challenged by my own assumption on that because here's what Jesus says. Whoever lives by the truth walks into the light and transparently shows themselves to others so that what he has done, they will all know, has been done through God. This lifestyle of exalting the Father, recognizing that God is the source of all good things, our lives simply act as signposts, pointing others to him, comes directly from the example of Jesus. Jesus exalted God in a couple of ways. He exalted God as the creator. You know, we know these verses, some of us by heart. Psalm 139 says this, You form me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Colossians says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Everything was created through him and for him. And John 1.3 says, Sorry about the microphone, Roger. John 1.3 says, All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that exists. That includes you and me. How do we exalt God as our creator? We recognize that we were created for purpose and meaning. We are not mere accidents. We are not merely the combination of sperm and egg. We are not merely the, the result of a happenstance meeting maybe between our birth mother and birth father. We exist for a reason. There's many times those connections happen and no child results. But when it does, there's a reason for it. God creates life. And your value does not come from the fact that you were wanted or unwanted. Your value comes because God created you. So to recognize God as creator is to recognize him as the one who created our lives and gives purpose and meaning to our lives. We exist for a reason. And what did God say of his creation? 
after he finished creating it, he said, it is good. It is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's happy he created you. Like, like I said, when I ask you to do something, I expect you just, just to do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is happy he created you. What does, it, what does it mean to exalt him as our sustainer? Jesus exalted God, the Father as creator and sustainer. Well, Matthew 6, 28 says this. Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of those. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is raked up and burned in a pile... Will he not much more clothe you? Acts 17, 28 says this, In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Psalm 54 says this, God is my helper, the Lord is the upholder of my life. So God created us with meaning and purpose. And then he did not just abandon us to our own devices. Many of us pursued those, but God did not abandon us to them. He is both creator and the sustainer of our lives. Who can claim that by the force of their own determination, they are keeping their lungs expanding and contracting? Take a deep breath. Do you realize that you do that all the time without thinking about it? God is sustaining your life. Who is maintaining brain activity by the act of their own will? Think about something right now. Think about, oh, don't do this. Don't <laughs> think about... <laughs> Don't think about the pink elephant in the room, okay? So who is not thinking about that by an act of their own will? No. God is creating these things and building these connections inside our brain. He's the one that's keeping all that going. Who's pumping their own blood through their veins by their, their own sheer grit and determination? Anyone think right now about make sure it goes from up here, down here. Make sure it gets all the way down so your toes don't go numb back up again. No. God is the one who is sustaining our lives. So while he gives you breath, live a life that exalts him. Sean and I were talking about this and I said, I'm, I'm looking for a good example of, of someone who, who sort of just lived their lives submitted entirely to what God's ultimate plan was. He goes, how about John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist is an excellent, uh, an excellent example. John the Baptist preached in order that people would turn to Jesus. To prepare them for Jesus. He was an amazing preacher because more people began to follow Jesus than began to follow him. That should be the goal of any preacher. When people turned away from John and began following Jesus, most of us would say, oh, John, sorry, you lost all your guys to the preacher down the road. And John says, no, 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 that's not a problem. That is fantastic. That's the reason I exist. That's the reason I was created, to point people to the Messiah. So when this starts to happen, he's happy. In fact, he describes it this way. He says, it's like the bride, the best man at a wedding. The best man's job is not to take all the attention. The best man's job is to support and encourage and be happy when the bride and the groom receive all the attention. John 3.30 says this, he must become greater and I must become less. Living a life of exaltation to God means that we become less so that he can become greater. So what does this mean for us this morning? 
Well, first of all, Exalting God is not a spectator sport. I've loved listening to the orchestra. I've loved singing in the choir, hearing Bunny sing this morning. But, but that is not exactly, if you just watched that, you weren't exactly exalting God. Exalting God requires a little bit more from us than simply observing and approving and clapping uh, for, at a wonderful performance. Exalting God is a life-consuming venture. When we're focused on exalting God with our lives, with our lives, not just our, our Facebook posts or, or our great songs or our great preaching, there's not a lot of room left for, for our own opinions and preferences and self-fulfillment. He becomes a complete objective of our existence. Now, I'm telling you, I'm preaching this from a very shaky platform this morning because that is not how I live my life most days of the week. So I am true confession here. I, I am, I'm not an expert on exalting God. I'm challenged by it. I'm embarrassed at times by how far I, how much I fail at exalting God. But, 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 but the fact that I fail at it shouldn't change the fact that I should still preach it. We need to do it, whether we're good at it or not. So, so Jesus becoming the complete objective of my existence is an ongoing work. But I'm encouraged by this verse, John 15, 5, where Jesus says this, if you want to see things happen and good things happen, you must stay connected to me. I must be your primary source. It says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of us have found that to be true? Lives wandering away from God and our lives begin to fall apart because we have lost the primary objective of our existence exalting God. The second thing this means, and I think it, it bears, bears mention, uh, exalting God is not for God's benefit. Exalting means to make greater, which makes the word somehow sort of bad at actually defining what exalting is. God does not need us to make him greater. Amen? Amen. He is great in and of himself. How great thou art. How great thou art. He is Worthy of our praise, whether we give it or not. Exalting God is for our benefit. We become more human as we give proper honor and reverence and exaltation to God. One of my favorite verses from the Psalms is this one, Psalm 135. It's, it's the King James Version that I'm going to be reading from. But it's, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a warning to us all. The idols of the heathen, the psalmist wrote. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't really hear. And neither is there any breath in their mouths. And they that make them are like unto them. They that make them become like them. So is everyone that trusts in them. Those kind of Trusting in those kinds of, of foolish and empty things make us foolish and empty. So don't put your trust in worthless things that weaken and dehumanize you. Instead, place your trust in the one who alone is worthy of it. God is not made greater by our worship. But a life dedicated to exalting God raises your own awareness and the awareness of others around you. of God's power, his goodness, and his glory. So how do we do that? We do it this way. 
We exalt God when we value what he values, when we love what he loves and hate what he hates. We are saying that his opinions and his heart are supreme, hence we are exalting him. We exalt God when we obey him. We're saying that his ways are best. We exalt God when we live his way. We're saying that he is the final standard. His word is the final standard in our lives. We exalt God when we point others to him. We're saying that he is the ultimate source of strength, comfort, peace, and hope. And because he's been that for us, he can be that for others. Tom tells this story. A couple years back, an elder at uh, Sherwood East was reading um, a passage during the communion meditation. And it was this passage. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But for some reason, he just had one of those brain moments. And he read it this way. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exhausted among the nations, and I will be exhausted <laughs> in the earth. <laughs> We've all done stuff like that, haven't we? Carrie, I don't think it was you. <laughs> he didn't say, but I, 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 he would have said if it was you. <laughs> you know, that's funny, but there may be a ring of truth in it. You know, let's not exhaust God. Let's exalt God. Let's walk in the light. Let's live in a transparent way that others see in us the, the truth and the reality that good and, and, and fruitful things come about because we are walking according to his plan. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Not glorify you, glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.